Hot Farmer Jeremy pulled out and settled down in front of his came out strong and I for more. You are a disaster. <laughs> Is that what he pulled out? <laughs> I have really tickled myself. I mean, if you can't tickle yourself, listen, you got you've got to be able to tickle yourself in these times. I'll say that much. Jesus. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Hi, Bem. <laughs> How are you? I am sweaty, but I'm good, oh. I think. It's hot. Oh, <laughs> I didn't expect. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, do you know you're talking to Bim right now? Do you want to tell me about your sweat right now? All right. I love it. Lean in. I too am sweaty. <sighs> but it's not yeah. that kind of cool. It's not that yeah. kind of cool. Okay, no, fine. Yeah, no, no. All right, um, fine. But I'm, I'm good. I am a little tired. Um, uh huh. But you know, um, I'm okay. Listen, at this point, <laughs> we are in September. Okay. Yeah. The year that felt as though it would never end, regardless of activities, has just kept trudging on. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, in an act of defiance, so have we. Listen, so yes <laughs> <laughs> it really is a case of like you're grinding i'm grinding 2020 how dare you so <laughs> i feel like this is a triumph for us to be here to be upright to be in front of our mics to be laughing and most importantly to be finding things to still thirst about in a decidedly grim fucking time <laughs> yes <laughs> and you know i have surprised myself with the places that i have gone um when traveling through thirstville shall we say (laughs) yes come on i love that i I love that whole construction beautiful (laughs) um so what that's what we're going to talk about today is that something that is a little outside of our preferences but still is valid and still good and it's still something that i you know our listeners if they're not already aware of should definitely uh you know give a chance Right, right. So this week, we are talking specifically about one TV show, but also about what that TV show uh, is a sort of stand-in for. It's a sort of, it's part of a whole genre that, like Nicole said, is not necessarily going to be our first choice. But once we get in there, it turns out there is so much to love. So we are talking about the Netflix show Sweet Magnolias, um, which came out in May Remember May? That was a time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And we're going to talk about the very specific way that it portrays lust and desire and I guess even sexual pleasure without at any point showing any of that because it's such a gentle show. It is. It's so soft and sweet. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, get, get a glass of something sweet, maybe some sweet tea. And uh, settle in because we are about to go to South Carolina. Nicole, I want to ask you a question. So before watching Sweet Magnolias, had you ever even heard about the books or the author Cheryl Woods? Uh, No, I had not read the books and um, I was completely unaware of them. um, Uh Mostly because I tend to stay away from... Uh, the fate to black romances, romances where that are fairly chaste, you know, uh-huh. a little, um, you know, all the action happens behind the doors of the uh-huh. bedroom. I, right. I, you know, that's just, you know, I like a little sauce 
with my romance. Right. So, you know, um, we, we is, did a whole interview about this. Yes. And someone was like, what's your favorite part of romance novels? I was like, oh, I love the romance. I love the boy meets girl or whomever meets whomever. I love all of that stuff. But I've, I've got to be honest. I am really into the dirt. Like, I want to... I want to... <laughs> I want to hear, I want to learn some stuff. You know what I mean? I want to look at something and kind of be like, oh shit, that's a thing people do. Okay. That is the thing that I am very, very almost always into. So like you, I am not somebody who, I would happily read it, but I would never actively seek it out to read. So I also had never heard of Cheryl Woods. It turns out I did a little bit of light Googling before uh, coming to talk about this. She's been writing books since the year I was born. Now, you can deduce that yourself. I'm not going to tell you when I was born. But, of course, it was 1996. Anyway, um, she has been writing these books for so long and has written entire worlds, which I think, based on what I was reading online, she almost never goes into, like, any kind of explicit detail. Like, her stock in trade is sweet and kind of like, you know, she does the occasional thrill, not even the occasional, she does thrillers, she does mm-hmm. like small town stuff, she does, but you never ever, there's never any, even the euphemism is very euphemistic. She doesn't, she's not out there talking about, and then he put tab A into slot B. There's none mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I was surprised by how much I loved this TV show because, yeah, it's not my usual cup of tea. Right. And it's also very, um, there are a lot of Christian, um, you know, there's a lot of preaching. There's a lot of Christian um, tenets involved in it, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And um, I am a Christian. I identify as a Christian. I don't, I've, you know, it's fine. But I also don't want to, like, be reading a romance and the romance is them holding hands while they pray. Um, <laughs> which is, whatever do you mean? It's again, no shade, no disrespect, None. because it does have a place and it is valid. And I love that it reaches the people that it reaches. It's just not right. particularly for me. And, um, you know, but watching this show again, I was kind of like, oh, don't preach at me. But then the, the pastor, June, who is obviously the uh, church's pastor in this town, Serenity, South Carolina, Uh, She was saying some stuff that hit me. And that's the thing that I've noticed um, in watching the show. I binged it over two days. Wow. Um, Yeah. Is that it really, um, I guess I found it right when I needed to find it, which is, again, another good sermon. (laughs) I mean, I was going to say, tell us about the word, Sister Nicole. Wow. But it's just, you know, I'm in this place now where I have been trying to figure out, am I responding to the pandemic properly in the best way that I should? Because I see all my friends and all these other people who I follow on social media, they're responding almost in very similar ways, uh, you know, to the pandemic. They're baking, they're going out and like... I don't know, building forests in their homes, you know, with all their plant life and stuff. And I just have not had that response. But um, I realized that watching this show, I needed something sweet, something that is just going to be like, um, you know, there's a new normal ahead of us. And how you figure out your own new normal is fine. Whatever you need to do on an individual basis is fine. Uh, Because there's a lot of Um, In Sweet Magnolias, there are several people who are going through a grieving process. Some people are divorced. Some people are like figuring out, um, you know, a new business for themselves, things like that. People are 
leaving other types of relationships behind and trying to figure out how to adapt um, uh-huh, to that. Uh-huh. And that's definitely what we're experiencing right now. We're trying to figure right. out how to move through quarantine, through the loss of life that we've experienced, all this kind of stuff. And right. also everyone handles things in such a thoughtful way like even if they make a mistake at first they're able to come back and examine what they did and correct it in a way that's clearly a lesson that's clearly a way for us to be like oh i should model that in my own relationship when i'm talking to my father or my sister or like whatever um so that's that's all part of what i really loved about this show that it wasn't just the romance it was also Mm -hmm. it's okay if you're figuring out a new part of your life because we all are and just you just have to keep going and i really i really needed that yeah i mean first of all drag me i too have adopted several plants and i cook (laughs) consistently so first of all how dare you um but yes i fully understand what you're saying about the the world of i think the the biggest thing about the show which is again like we said based on a bunch of books Mm -hmm. um with these characters is that it kind of its biggest thing seems to be the the inevitability of adaptation mm-hmm. and that in order for you to grow you will need to adapt and what has always worked may not work in the future based on a new set of problems and that is transmitted very very subtly and sometimes not subtly at all mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know every so often when pastor june is preaching i'm like oh oh i see literally a lesson a word <laughs> i see all right cool but generally speaking it is done in a way to kind of show like you said people react to things very differently um and that's not a bad thing unless it's a bad thing and i think that's a very strong um reminder that many of us need which is to respond to something in a very cookie cutter way because it's the way that we understand to respond um and actually it turns out no and in terms of thirst it's actually a very you know since that's the point of the show um, (laughs) it's a very subtle reminder also that there is pleasure to be had at various levels in different things and it's something that we to our credit have been talking about on the show for a while which is we are not prescribing a the person for you to fancy or b how to do it Mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about the different demographics of our audience like people who are out there like nicole and i who really love reading (laughs) a bunch of smut (laughs) and other people who are kind of like i don't even want to don't even give it don't even give it a pet name we're not going to talk about it like Mm -hmm. just know that it happens and that's all you need to know and that's it and then other people who as we said we have lots of ace listeners we have people who, you know, have never thought about this stuff before. We have people who are coming back from all sorts of, you know, horrors and are mm-hmm. trying to kind of get through. And everyone is coming to the show with whatever they have in their back pocket and they're coming regardless. And I feel like I came to Sweet Magnolia's kind of like, oh, I know I'm about to get like a sweet southern show. I mean, first of all, shout out to the cliche. It's a set of the South. Put Magnolia's in the title. Right. right. <laughs> I was like, I'm in. You got me. I'm that I'm that cheap. I'm in. But there is something to be said for the fact that they do this thing where the characters are clearly having sex. Like either they've had it before, they're currently having it, or they will have it again and probably soon, because mm-hmm. otherwise why the fuck are we here? Mm-hmm. Um and I love it because there are all these illusions. Like there's a particular fact. Let me start from the beginning. So there are three main characters in right. Serenity in the Sweet Magnolias universe. Mm-hmm. And that's Dana Sue, 
Maddie and Helen. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dana Sue, who is played by Brooke Elliott, um, in particular, she is post-divorce, like she, or at least post-separation. And at this point, it's been many years since. And for Maddie, who is played by Joanna Garcia uh, Swisher, that's where we open up, bang in the middle of divorce from her husband, the father of her three children, the person that she has spent the bulk of her life with. Um, and she is going through it in a sort of cyclical way. It's not like, it's not 12 steps to divorce. It's very much a loop-de-loop of going back on feeling feelings, even though he did her wrong. He cheated on her mm-hmm. and he's, <laughs> the person he cheated on her with is pregnant. So like, it's not even one of those, like, oh, it was a youthful indiscretion. It's like, fam, you have <laughs> planted a life <laughs> on this earth. Right. And he's like, I'm trying to do right by her. Okay, well, how about you do right by your family? Why didn't you think about that from jump? Every time I see Chris Klein's face, I just want to punch him in this show because I'm like, he seems like such a nice man in real life. But on this show, fuck you, Bill, or whatever the fuck your name is. I hate you so much. But and then the third character is uh, Helen, who is played by Heather Headley, my bae. Mm-hmm. And when I saw her, I was like, oh, there's a black woman in this southern show. Let's see how they're going to treat her. Well, the show said, hold your horses, bitch. I've got you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because the first few episodes, Nicole, I feel like you feel the same way. It was like she was there to be a facilitator of help. Yes, it was very, uh, you know, yes. So um, without being, I don't want to be too rude and say that, you know, she was still a mammy. um, But it was feeling, it was definitely, (sighs) she was a problem solver. Right. You know, um, for stuff. But we do see her become someone complex and, you know, full and she has her own desires. Um, one of the things that I love about the show is that all three women have at least two men after them at some point wow. that they each have like a little love triangle um, of various degrees of steaminess. And yes. um, all the men, all the men are hot, which is very important. Mm. Um, you know, Dana Sue is, um, she's a plus size woman who owns a restaurant. And so there's all this concern about, is she going to be the one, is she going to be the one left out of, you know, finding love, wanting love, all this kind of stuff. But we soon, you know, they take a while to get to her. Um, they really do. I was worried. I was like, wait, you're going to, because again, that feeling of just like the screech, like I was like, oh, a plus size woman who's in charge of a kitchen. All right. Like, right. What else are you going to pile on here? And yet again, the show said, bitch, wait. Yes. (laughs) And it's just like, okay. So Dana Sue goes to this farmer's market because she's trying to um, make sure that her supply, her organic produce supply remains intact after some stuff. And yeah. we see hot farmer Jeremy, okay? Listen. Listen. To me, so so when you said everyone on the show is hot, I was like, "Eh, I don't I don't agree. I think some people are hotter than others." Sure. Oh, yes, yes. And but I, I don't even think everyone has a base level of hotness that I'm attracted to. Far, farmer Jeremy though is just straight up Hello, you ordered this? And I'm like, I did. I really did, Jeremy. Thanks. (laughs) Yes. Because the scene, you know, um, she's like, well, I don't want to leave before I taste these strawberries. And Jeremy says, well, you can taste anything here you like. Oh. Listen. Oh. When that happened, I paused the TV. I said, hold on. I think I burst out laughing because I was like, say what you mean, Jeremy. What? What? And even Helen. Now, she's in the kitchen with Dana Sue and pastry chef Eric, who is 
fine, okay? So fine. So <laughs> fine. What? Yes. And Eric is trying to prove that he deserves the promotion to sous chef. So he gives uh, Dana Sue and Helen a little taste of a pot pie, right? And so they're, yes. you know, they're all into the pot pie. And he's like, yeah, you know, you like that, right? That's the cardamom in the in the gravy that's talking to you. <laughs> and Helen goes, well, you know, what other talents are you hiding? And he said, well, what, what, what else would you like to see? This. Oh, Oh, I he love said. banter. Like that kind of good wow. flirty banter for adults. It doesn't cross the line. Yes. 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 Because yes. <laughs> he wasn't being a creep. He wasn't kind of being like, I'll show you, you can lick the butt. He wasn't doing any of that. Right. He just said, tell me what it is that you like. And maybe I have it in my bag of tricks. And I said, open your bag of tricks, Eric. I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just love it. I just... Mm. And, you know, the show has some um, <laughs> teenagers, which I don't particularly, you know, I'm not into teenagers or whatever. You, you I really hate watching yeah. stories of teenagers. Yeah. I know this. Yes. yes. I didn't even mind them uh, watching this series. <laughs> the highest compliment ever. <laughs> I didn't even mind these young adults. <laughs> <laughs> because I just have a problem with um, the way TV teens are portrayed, you know, when they're going through their little, like, uh, angsty emotional phases and they start I mean, they start not to puberty yeah they start cussing out their parents and the parents just kind of like oh dear no <laughs> you know i'm not saying you gotta snatch nobody up i don't promote that at all i'm just saying you have yeah. to tell them uh watch your mouth and i there will is a whole line there's yeah. a whole line that tv doesn't know how to deal realistically like it either becomes they're all on drugs and they're fucking or they're like Timmy. I don't know. It's always a weird like that's not real life. Yeah. However, as you're about to say, it's different on the show. Yes, because people do. The parents do check them. Watch your tone. Watch your mouth. Yeah. And also, again, as a southerner, I love that these young people refer to their elders as yes, ma'am, yes, sir. All of, you know, I <laughs> you don't really get that too often on um, in TV shows nowadays. Right. Right. And so I yeah. I really appreciate that. But I love that. And I do also want to say that even though the parents check the, their um, teens for, you know, talking to them, you know, in a disrespectful way. They also come back and they apologize to their children. They yes. have these moments of learning. And, you know, we do see that the teens end up like breaking through that little yes. veil and talking to their parents. And I'm like, again, this is such a wholesome show, but it's, it really is. it's, um, it's also just good to see. So you can watch this with your teens if you're, if you are thinking <laughs> about it. Um, yes. Cause I think yes. it will also, it can help open some communications for those of you who have teens in your life. Right. I think so too. The thing that I want to also kind of point out, like Nicole already has is the fact that again, these women, these three women are not dealing with dregs. And I don't mean that to be derogatory. I mean, they are not, basing these relationships on well you'll do mm -hmm. each woman has like a certain bar mm -hmm. for whomever will come into their life mm -hmm. and the show is kind of like not only are we going to give you one option we're going to give each of you two mm -hmm. because i feel like a lot of the time the reduction of a woman's options to the guys there mm -hmm. is so apparent <laughs> in a bunch of tv and film stuff that we consume mm -hmm. and in this show the thing i really liked it is that again Nobody once swears. This is very, very PG. But you are left undoubtedly with the impression that these women are both desired and desirable and they themselves desire. 
and that they also have options. They they don't have to stick with the things that are just like there you go eat it eat, just eat your vegetables you know there mm-hmm. is like what do you fancy do you like eric is really in the kitchen out there kind of going what do you want yes yes so let's let's get into some of the some of the options for these women nicole okay so um helen has yes. an old childhood sweetheart ryan uh <sighs> who, yeah i never liked him <laughs> from jump but um, save <laughs> Uh, so, you know, he was someone that they kept going in and out of each other's lives. And, um, so there's that, I don't want to spoil whatever happens with that, but you know, so she has Ryan, the childhood sweetheart, and then she's got Eric who, you know, um, has made his interest known, shall we say. I mean, at first he was a little bit mixed messagey. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, sir, say it with your chest. You can't just be doing banter good as it is. Mm-hmm. But like, say something, like lean into it. And then, you know, of course, he, he like you said, he makes his intentions clear. Yeah, yeah. And he is also, um, we also see that he has a complex life, that he is a whole person and it's not just the love interest, you know, or the right. potential love interest, which yes. is always nice to see that the men get developed as well, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's Helen. Then Dana uh-huh. Sue, she has, uh, like as we mentioned, Farmer Jeremy. And Oof. then... <laughs> For me, again, I know that I, I'm grateful she has options, but I'm like, sis, focus. Shine, as my people say, shine your eye. Look at Jeremy. <laughs> He's right there right Come there on. and he looks like he's a little younger you know yes, so for him dana to, get yours listen <laughs> um and then her um ex or who you know her <sighs> yes who is also very hot i cannot lie yes but like clearly toxic as shit yes ronnie <laughs> um wow so he came back <laughs> And they were in the kitchen and, you know, they're trying to talk over the reasons that he came back. And he he just kind of walks up on her real close. And there is all this tension in between them in a good way, in a very steamy adult, like, yes, you did me wrong, but there's always going to be this between us, you know, kind of way. I love that shit. I don't. Yes, you do. I I don't like uh, love rekindled in my real life. But right, in right. fiction, mm-hmm. give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, Dana Sue is a plus-sized uh, woman. <sighs> Both of these men are fine as hell yep. after her. And they're not making her weight, at least so far, a part of her love story. Yes. You know, there's no, yes. like, I'm embarrassed to be around him. I don't want him to see me like this. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. No. She is very, uh, she seems to be, at least in this first season, very confident in who she is. Exactly. Very aware of herself and what she wants on a sexual and romantic level. Yes. I love it. Give and you it know when me. they have their little, when they have their little margarita nights or whatever, and they're out drinking or whatever, again, strictly PG language. Mm-hmm. But again, it offers you like, you know, when, when Maddie's about to go on her first post-divorce date. Mm-hmm. And they're helping her choose what to wear and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they are out there putting out. I mean, again, I cannot stress this enough. Very PG. Mm-hmm. But they are leaving you in no doubt as to what they hope happens for Maddie. Yes. Like they literally they're like, we hope your ankles are by your head. They are saying <laughs> it in the in the cleanest, most PG language ever. And I'm like, yes. 
talk about skill and nuance because the show doesn't want to back away from the fact that these are adult women who have sexual lives and mm-hmm. sexual identities mm-hmm. that they want to explore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every so often they talk to Dana Sue about, you know, anybody for you and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she's, again, able to express it without having to kind of go into... Listen, I love swearing. I think it enhances my sentences. <laughs> um, That's so surprising required. coming from I you, mean, a British person. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? But, like... In this show, it has, again, forced me to kind of... I'm not... Again, I'm. this is not me. I will never, ever relinquish my uh, my right to swear. I will just say that. Mm-hmm. But there is also something that I really enjoy about having to seek euphemism to express something, but it's still not diluting the strength of what you feel. So Helen, for example, there is no doubt in my mind that Ryan, as trash as I find him, is giving Helen what she needs. She comes back after seeing Ryan and there is a smile. And Heather Headley's beautiful. Yeah. So when she smiles, you're just kind of like, tell me the secret, sis. What have you got going on? And she's like, don't worry about me. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Like she is very much satisfied with Ryan, with whomever. She's like, I don't worry about me. Yes. And I think I had been subconsciously quite worried, especially for Dana Sue as, you know, a plus size woman. I was like, oh, how are they going to do her dirty this time? Mm-hmm. Same with Helen. I was like, oh, it's a black woman. She's going to be there. Because, you know, it opens up and she is Maddie's divorce lawyer. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. Is she going to be a facility? Is she going to be a helper? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going to happen? And they said, just you wait. And then to have them discuss these things. And, you know, Nicole, I noticed you kind of pointing out even pastor june being a black woman Mm -hmm. in trousers in the church Mm -hmm. in the south Mm -hmm. doing what she does and Mm -hmm. you know the diversity of the cast therein is actually only magnified when you look at the three women because the show is full full of all sorts of people yes so the diversity of the show um really stood out to me i don't know if it's the same in the books and um i'm gonna be honest i'm not gonna read the books i i'm just i'm not gonna read the books (laughs) Um, but all the black women that I've seen on the show with speaking parts who are recurring are dark skinned, have short hair in a variety of styles. It's a yes. small thing, but it's important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like even the bitch on the show, one of the bitches on the show is a dark skinned black woman with short hair. And mm-hmm. I was like, come on, diversity. Give me a mean black girl. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she's out there like a local busybody. She always has a sharp word. She cuts her eyes. And I'm like, yes, complexity. Mm-hmm. Some of us are bitches. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, you know, I've seen a little person in the background of the show. I've seen someone who has a prosthetic arm, um, um, who had speaking lines on the show. The... It's just a really, um, those things just really stand out, particularly when you compare them to contemporary versions of New York City on, in TV shows where right. it is just white girls <laughs> and that's yeah. it, right. you know? And that could be true of the neighborhood, but if we're going to think about, when we talk about stories that we want to see, when we talk about fuller, more nuanced, more interesting stories, what does that look like? And this sweet, unassuming little show on Netflix is presenting in not in all ways mm-hmm. but in some of the ways that really matter it's kind of like this is what tv could look like as a starting point this is not like the best thing i've ever seen in that regard right but it is so as nicole said so much further along than so many of the shows that are set in allegedly progressive bastions in the country and elsewhere mm-hmm. and i think that's like another small thing that helps the, the the sweetness of the show go down a little bit easier because at the same time that i'm lamenting not seeing 
you know hbo level shenanigans <laughs> i'm kind of like yeah but look at all the other ways it's absolutely nailing this and yes that's not quite a straight line to thirst as we are discussing on thursday kit yeah but i tell you what it puts me in the mood to be more open like, yeah if i see the effort i'm all the more invested Yes. So Maddie, um, she is getting divorced from Bill. Yeah. Someone that she has been with for 20 years. So presumably Oof. since their teenage years, you know, high right. school sweetheart kind of thing. They've got three children together. Um, she becomes interested, despite herself, in <laughs> um, Coach Cal, who, hey. is, who is the baseball coach of her eldest son. Um, so there's that thing. And he is, um, now he's not necessarily my cup of tea, but he gives me, uh, Superman as in Christopher Reeve vibes, yes. you it's know? Exactly. Oh my God, Nicole. Yes. He's exactly, it's in the chest. Yeah. He's very, yes. there, there should be an S on his chest. Yes. He's very broad. He's also very tall. And Joanna, um, Garcia Swisher is very short. Like she, you can see that she has on all these stacked heels all the time. Yes. So and cute. <laughs> she loves a wedge. Yes. All these wedges to make her taller. And she's still like the shortest thing, uh, on set. But, yeah. um, I love seeing, that and I will say though my only criticism of of the show uh, is that Maddie as the thin white woman is the one who has like this marriage that was 20 years she doesn't know about you know dating someone outside of that and then Dana Sue and Helen have been positioned as the ones who are a bit more free-spirited shall we say when it comes to sex and dating and stuff like that and so I'm just like okay the black woman and the fat girl are the ones who have to be the ones out there tooting it up every you know all the time but you know (laughs) As much as you can't toot it up in serenity, oh, but okay. Oh my God. <laughs> tooting. Can I just say, there are some phrases that will never sound right in my accent. I cannot say tooting it up, <laughs> but you absolutely can. And you are so right. I also yeah. had the same thing. I was like, oh, this is the model of stable, uh, uh, you know, n- nuptials. This is the person who has had like a one woman, one man, you know, yeah. like the whole thing felt very kind of like, I see what we're reinforcing here. Like you yeah, said. Yeah. Cause even, um, Dana Sue and Helen left Serenity at some point, you know, they right. have traveled a little bit before coming back, but Maddie is the good girl who stayed. Right. Yes, um, yes. But and it- then on top of that, the wages of it kind of like, she was a good little small town girl who stayed and her husband still cheated on her. See? Yes. Yes. And I'm just kind of like, guys, we we can do away with this as the beginning point. We don't have to. We don't have to keep doing this. So I hear you, Nicole. I also yeah. have a similar gripe. Yeah. Yes, but otherwise, um, when it comes to thirst, um, again, we just want to point out you don't have to like everything that we like. And exactly. we don't always like everything that you like. Um. Right. Oh, God, yes, we really don't. I have, there are so many emails that Nicole and I are just kind of like, huh? Yeah. Okay. You and do I, you. Yeah. And I think the thing that kind of helped um, let me be open to the idea of watching uh, Sweet Magnolias is this book that I read earlier this year called If I Never Met You by Vari McFarlane, who was yes. a part of our uh, romance novelists uh, in our, like a couple of episodes ago, I think, yes. maybe. Yeah. Um, 
because that is a closed door romance and it was so good i loved it and i you know yes i was disappointed that i didn't get more steaminess <laughs> but in the end i was like you know what i actually you know it i don't mind i'm okay yes. with this because yeah. the build up of the story the world building was so good yes, yes. and that is that is vari's strongest talent i think is that like she has said that she will not be writing anything explicit going forward as she has never done in the past and a part of me is always disappointed by that because i'm like damn it i know if you turned your hand to this you'd be amazing but she honestly says she doesn't think she'd be very good at it which you know you're entitled to believe what you believe vari but i also have my opinions and i think you would kill it <laughs> but like even her very first book you had me at hello it literally has a scene in a bed with two people and somehow she transmits the pure tension and like the, the heightened desire the the feelings in that scene and nobody's even you don't know it's it's a skill it's a skill i feel like so many people resort to smart as a sort of there you go filler yeah and Vari's like you don't ever need that and you will still get all the emotional payoff you will get the feeling of an exchange occurring you will get this feeling of people opening up no pun intended <laughs> like you're gonna get like a bunch of emotions and you don't have to even know the color of somebody's nipple and i'm always kind of like wonderful <laughs> you know what i mean like yes. i find it such a powerful thing so here's the thing i i love Ari. she is a sweetheart uh, her books are great what the first book of hers you know her debut was you had me at hello that's mm -hmm. that's the that's the one that i love the best but everything else is solid gold because again which is the thing i think sweet magnolias gets is that once you know your characters mm -hmm. and you have built a world that accommodates their every quirk their every fiber of being you don't necessarily need to know is it nice is that what some viewers would like yes yes but you don't need to because you have built such a strong structure Right. And this is not to say that there is um, only hand-holding or something in Sweet oh, Magnolias. No, there's kissing. We do get to see Coach Cal shirtless uh, a wow. couple of times. Before he was shirtless, <laughs> they even wet his shirts. And Listen. I was like, yes. <laughs> Listen. Fun <I> service. <laughs> you know, we have talked about romance tropes before, but the the scene of you know oh no my sink is messed up can you help me <laughs> and then they, they end up you know the sink sprays everywhere and both sure. of them get wet and you know they have this moment of like oh we're standing here wet together i love it put it on my <laughs> plate i will gobble it just give it to me <laughs> the thing that i love about that also is like it's such an unsubtle metaphor the sink is sprayed everywhere guys yes. come on come on <laughs> You might as well put a train through a tunnel. It's like, come on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we get those kinds of moments in Sweet Magnolias. Yes. And it's still, you know, that sweet and steamy that, you know, yes. I have talked about wanting more of because it is possible to be lusty, but also sweet. And we get that in Sweet Magnolias, even if we don't see it all the thrusting we still Ooh. see Ooh, what a <laughs> sentence <laughs> our producer share <laughs> she just took a back seat she, she scratched her neck and she looked to the sky as if to say lord help me same same share same 
Um, but yes, I, I fully agree with you because again, like you said, we have those scenes that seem as though they are, uh, I guess, exploring different ways of, you know, how to talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. I do think in the same way that we've noted many a time on the show, our listeners are also expressing beyond the desire that we talk about and examine on the show so many people especially people who are writing drabbles for the first time or who have picked up their pens again after years away is this idea of this is something i'm doing for me and this is giving me joy and this is giving me freedom and i feel safe and able to do it because you guys are talking about it and it feels good to me and i think as nicole often points out that there is a certain kind of dismissal of women's pleasure or anything that gives them joy as silly or not very important or whatever. And this show, of all the shows in the world, I did not expect to for, to get this kind of affirmation from this basic idea that, yes, your friends hold you up and they keep you and they hold you, etc., etc. But also, there is time to dwell on the simple act of Dana Sue driving a vintage truck that makes her feel good. And we see the pleasure plain as day on her face. And it's nothing to do with the man beside her. I mean, well, it's 5% to do with the man beside her. Right. But it's about (laughs) her taking pleasure, driving a vintage vehicle that she loves, that gives her pleasure, that kind of triggers a memory with her father, a sweet, happy memory, something that is inside of her that is helped along by this guy. So yeah, he's present for like some of it, but it's for her. And you know, the epiphanies that she has. Oh my God. So good. So rewarding. Yes. Are not from anybody preaching at her or scolding her Mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's just, she really went on an internal journey and she came to a conclusion. Um, and again, just her storyline was so well done. I I just feel like all the women were treated with care, um, in this show. And it turns out that is the first, all along that I needed from this show. <laughs> Do you like what I did there? Yes. Yes. Thank you. The real thirst is the lessons we learned along the way, Nicole. <laughs> okay, so Nicole, um, this has been <laughs> quite a jam-packed episode of all sorts of major and minor characters. Um, and in a such a big cast, there is ample opportunity to go in any direction any kind of trope that you like you can probably find a first object to match mm-hmm. so you started off the show with a fantastic redacted with hot farmer jeremy <laughs> but there are like at least six other men in this show that you could fix your first eye on yes yes um it's probably no surprise that i chose eric the <gasps> hot pastry chef I love it. I love it. Okay. Listen, he had me at pastry, um, but everything else too. He's actually, I think, objectively the hottest and most obvious first object for us both. Yes. In yes. a way, like there were close seconds, but he is like, he was so obviously, like my eyes began to shine when he was on screen. I was like, that's him. That's the one. <laughs> so I am delighted that this is who you've chosen this week. I'm very excited to listen to your travel about hot pastry chef Eric. all right i watched eric unpack all the goodies he'd brought over 
There were baked goods, of course. As soon as he found out the love I had for my Aunt Ruth's chocolate pound cake, he spent over two months perfecting a recipe until he got up almost just like hers. He knew I'd been having a really hard week, so he'd brought over the batter for that chocolate pound cake because he also learned I loved it best when it was still warm from the oven because zapping it into the microwave or even the toaster oven is not the same. He arranged all the food on the counter in an order that made sense to him. There seemed to be so much of it. I looked down at my belly, my thighs, the hang from my arms. I shouldn't say it. I know I shouldn't say it. You're gonna make me even fatter than I already am. I said it. Eric slowly emptied the last of his bags and washed his hands. Then he sat next to me on one of the stools at the bar that separates the kitchen from the living room. I don't really know how to talk about this with you yet, so you'll have to help me figure out the best way to have this kind of conversation. But I don't like nobody beating up on my woman, not me, not no strangers on the street, and definitely not herself. <sighs> I opened my mouth to tell him I wasn't being mean to myself, but he grabbed my hand and held it to let me know he wasn't finished. Whatever you look like right now is how I love you. If you need me to change up what I cook for you, I can do that. I love the look in your eyes when you eat something I made while thinking of you. If I'm doing too much, we can find some real pleasurable ways of working it all off. But I love you in the body you have now, with the mind you have now, with the soul you have now. I don't need none of it to change, but if you need something to change, tell me. Tell me and it's done. He pulled my hand until we were facing each other and I could see the truth in his words and the anguish at not knowing if he was saying the right thing. You always tell me what I need to hear, I said touching my forehead to his. He dropped a quick kiss to mine before leaning back into our nuzzle. I tell you what's true. And with my lips still feeling the warmth of his words, we kissed to seal the promise of us together. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing Shala Lamar's breathing right now. <laughs> I am wow bitch <sighs> that oh is the most gosh. loving bitch I have thrown your way this whole season <laughs> just it's slow and just bitch <laughs> Nicole uh, there are so many reasons why I am honored and delighted to be your friend and a lot of them have nothing to do with your abilities or your skills it's just who you are right but every so often, yeah, <laughs> every so often, I'm dancing with the words. That's how much I love this. You just pull something out and I'm just kind of like, rah, that's talent. And you are a talented motherfucker. And I'm proud of you. Oh, my God. I'm actually emotional with that story. Uh, that was fucking lovely. Uh, I feel like I'm going to cry just for you saying that. Don't, don't, I don't need no. it. You're a thug, Nicole. Don't cry. You're a thug. Uh, I am a thug. You know, I hate to cry. Oh, no. I know you do. My eyes I know are... You do. Oh, no. Nicole, I didn't mean for you to cry. Jesus Christ. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Stand by, listeners. Stand by, listeners. Fucking... Nicole's gonna dab her eyes and come back harder. One sec. You know what? I don't even care about the travels this week. This is the highlight of my month, maybe even my year. I make Nicole cry from pure emotion. That never fucking happens. It really doesn't. I 
<laughs> I don't try to be hard, but I'm just like, you know. You're locked down. I get it. I get it. Locked down. I am. You know. I know you are candy coated, but the shell. You know, inside (laughs) it's all soft and gooey, but outside. I mean, every so often I see the gooey, and I am delighted that I. Wow, Nicole, I can't believe you are still wiping your eyes. This is amazing to me. Wow, (laughs) this is. I am so. That's the quality of this fucking gravel, though. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank that you. That was vulnerable. That was lovely. That was warm. That was <sighs> wow. I don't want to even read my fucking gravel now. To no. be honest, like <laughs> I've I've ascended to the heavens. I'm not even here anymore. My body is here, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not physically present. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Shit. I might have to go get some wine. I don't know. I mean- <laughs> Wow, what a travel. What a piece of work. Oh, okay. Boom. Yes. <laughs> now that I've had my emotional breakdown. Sure. <laughs> um, who do you have on the menu for us in your travel today? Nicole, like you, I went the only road I could go. I surveyed the talent on display and I was like, it's Eric for me. Because he is the guy, yes, you know, yes. so this is longer than I normally do. And I apologize. But also, as we said before, we get to go long. <laughs> it's when you send in your drabbles that you don't get to go. <laughs> you don't get to go long. It's not a democracy. It's a thirstocracy. Okay. So this is Eric. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, let's go. I heard Eric shut the door behind the delivery guy and begin his return to the sofa where we've been lazily draped for most of the day. I was stretching, wiggling my toes as he came back into view, his warm brown eyes twinkling curiously. He pulled off the mask he'd just put on to answer the door, and I made my face as neutral as I could manage. What's that? I asked. Zero idea, he said, as he dropped the package onto his side of the sofa and headed for the kitchen for a pair of scissors. The postmark says Japan. His voice drifted back to me. Oh, is it for me? I was leaning into my role as innocent observer. He returned to the room, eyeing me with slightly narrowed eyes. Why would it be? Did you order anything from Japan? I don't know what I've bought this quarantine, Eric, I quipped. I just order on Instagram in a fugue state and surprise myself when it gets here. He laughed like I'd wanted him to. No, no, this is addressed to me, he said. But I know I didn't order anything. So, he sat down again, returned my feet to his lap where they'd been earlier. What is this? Open it, I said suddenly impatient to see his response. See for yourself. He considered me for a moment longer, then carefully pulled the open scissors down the sellotape seal. He paused again, stilling his hands for a moment. You know you don't have to get me anything, he said quietly. I sat up, covered his hands with mine, until he looked back at me. I know. Sometimes I like to, though. I could tell the moment he realised what was in the box. The knife set he'd been watching and waiting to go on sale for at least the last six months. He carefully lifted the box out of the packaging and the breath whistled out of him on a sigh of pure pleasure. He bit his full lower lip, ran his thumbs over the box as if in a stainless steel trance. My heart doubled in size. You like them? I did a lot of research and bought direct from the factory. I rushed out. I've been on Japanese knife forums and shit, talking with some very condescending men with more than a little whiff of cultural appropriation in their usernames. I laughed a little here as his silence wore on. But these are the ones, right? Eric? He snapped to when I said his name, turned to look at me. They're amazing. I love them. I scooted up the sofa, held his face in my hands. I know it's been hard. 
with the restaurant and everything. His eyes clouded over. But still, you do so much for me every single day. You cook, you fix, you drive, you read my plays and let me rant. You take care of me and this house, and then you cook some more. All I ever do is the washing up. He smiled. And so if I can get you some fancy, finely weighted Japanese steel to slightly redress the balance, guess what? I moved my hands up over his beard, a quarantine development I was not mad at, and into his hair, the coils soft against my palms. He leaned into the touch like a cat and kissed the inside of one wrist. This is perfect, he said, relaxing back into the sofa, eyes closed, bringing me with him. You're perfect. He kissed the top of my head, tucked me into himself, and I let him. Man, we need an Eric in real life. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can be clearer to the fucking universe. <laughs> oh, man, that was so good. I, you know, I love a wrist kiss. Just My uh, favorite. It's so tender. It's so it's tender. The softest part of you. I mean, come on. The thing that I just realized between our two drabbles, <laughs> we are doing a very specific cosmic ordering right now. <laughs> Yes. And I don't know who's listening. You know how those tweets that go, I don't know I don't know who needs to hear this, but yes. I, I definitely know who needs to hear this. Real life Eric, apply within, please. I'm tired. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we are struggling. <laughs> you got me breaking down <laughs> on the mic. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's gonna be our tagline. Emotional vulnerability this week. Like it really is where we're at right now. It's been so many months of lockdown and all sorts of kind of just horrors, big and small, global and incredibly local. I think we needed this. So shout out to Sweet Magnolias for helping us access some real <laughs> emotions this week. Like, you know, we're emotional every week, to be fair. But I think there's something about the timing of this that also feels like, oh, we needed this. Yeah. Um, you know, Sweet Magnolias, I, in my tweet thread, I, I said that, that I really needed to watch this now or when, you know, when it was that I did instead of like when it first came out. Um, because it did help me kind of just like, remember, there are sweet, kind people, um, even if they are fictional. <laughs> um, <Right>. but, <laughs> They're all fictional. <laughs> um, but I, I needed that. And, you know, I think another reason that we are especially soft right now um, is because of the recent death of Chadwick Boseman and... Yeah. Yeah. You know, it took us all by surprise. And, yeah. um, you know, we just saw someone who had so much more to do. Um, That's, it. That's it. And he was so young. He's, he's, he, uh, I don't even know how to say, like, I don't want to talk about him, like, past. past yeah. I know. I know. It's jarring. It's jarring to say he was, you know. Yeah, but he was the same age as I am. I say, I see a lot of, of, parallels between us which i know mm. seems odd because he no, it's was not odd. It's um not odd. but he you know he was a southern man who went to an hbcu whose career was just starting um mm. you know kind of i don't want to say late in life because he had been acting for a very long time but again sure. 
as is usually common with black actors. Um, you know, they don't mm -hmm. seem to take off until maybe their late, their mid to late thirties when, right. you know, their white counterparts are getting Oscars at the age of 21 or something. But right. anyway, so yeah. I, I see a lot of similarities between us. Um, and so it really bothered me um, yeah. that, yeah. you know, when I first opened up Twitter and I saw I went to the trending topics and I saw his name and then I clicked on it. And I was like, no, this doesn't make sense. These words together don't make sense. What's happening? This is a joke, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then I kept reading and kept reading. And it just really fucked me up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, it, it's been a weird... I surprised myself by bursting into tears. And they weren't like quick, emotional, like response tears. They were like... Suddenly I was like, oh, there's a well of sadness here. I hadn't expected to feel that much. And like you said, it was unexpected. He's, he was so young. There were like all these things that just kind of added to it. And I, I was in an oddly vulnerable state um, as soon as I heard the news and carrying on. And I think that's the kind of thing that also kind of helps you, I suppose, realign your purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to a place where you're just kind of like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I saw a really great, you know, rude but correct tweet where someone just said, just do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, nothing is promised. There is no cutoff point for whatever. So just fucking do it. Like, if you can, muster up your strength and your courage and do it. And if it works out, fine. And if it doesn't, try again. Like, it's really that simple. And it seems really kind of reductive to kind of boil it down to that. But I feel as though for someone who was carrying this thing and was going about his life as best he could. It's such a stunning blueprint of just the fact that you can, even in all sorts of circumstances, there is still an element of, I guess, just do it. That's, that's the thing for me. Just do it. Just do it. And yes, you can focus on what's going to bring you pleasure in that moment. But I think the other lesson that we need to pull from that is how he took that precious time that he wasn't sure you know he wasn't sure how much time he may have had left but he right. took that time to do what he wanted to do but to also just uh spread love and kindness and generosity to other That's people it. and it wasn't just a selfish pursuit of oh no i got to get all these roles it was how can i use the time that i have to benefit other people in some small way um, right. And so this is not to say that, you know, all of us are supposed to go out and form charities oh, and, you know, God all this no. kind of stuff. No, 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 no. No, just do what you're able, but know that you're able to do something and just that's do it. That's the thing. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And I, I just wanted to kind of, as a final note, just bring on the thing you said about kindness. And I think it's been remarkable to see people come forth and just mention time and again how kind he was. And if we take nothing else, <laughs> I think everybody online and off can stand to be a little kinder, not nicer, kinder. And I, it has given me a very specific pleasure to read all these people talking about Chadwick and just say, man, he was so kind. And I could only hope that people will say the same about me when I leave, you know? Yeah, same. I just want people to be like, she was good to me, <laughs> you know, she That's was, it. she was That's good it. to me and to others. And, you know, um, 
I am not. I know that I am not a nice person, but I do try my best to be kind. <laughs> you know, Ooh, yeah. The world doesn't make it easy to be nice, but you can be kind. And and I'm just glad that we. I'm glad that we got to benefit from his obvious, fantastic, and uh, multifaceted talent. Um, so rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Lots of love to his family and the rest of us fans as well. Indeed. Aid Kit is a Slate production produced by Cher Vincent and us, Nicole Perkins and Bim Adewunmi. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at First Aid Kit and we are on Tumblr at firstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find all the episodes that we've done. And you might even ask us a question over there. If you like to listen and live tweet, there is a hashtag. It's TACPOD, that's T-A-K-P-O-D. And you can join other Thirst Buckets every Thursday or any other time you see fit. If you prefer, you can write us an email and send it to thirstaidkit at slate.com. If you want to use our Thirst Sommelier service, all you have to do is send us a short, and we mean short, no longer than a minute, voice note via email at thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcast. If you find yourself wishing you could get even more Thursday content every week, well, now you can. All you have to do is become a Slate Plus member. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program. For just $35 for the first year, you'll get a little extra from this show and all other Slate shows, plus absolutely no ads. Visit slate.com slash plus to sign up. All right, stay thirsty. We'll be back next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.